0: Okay, so welcome back for another exciting episode of the weekly podcast, Oral Argument, a podcast with Joe Miller and Christian Turner about
1: <laughs> I law, think, legal theory. <laughs> I think you should leave this second introduction in as well. I think you should include the first one that you did a few minutes ago, and then I think you should include this one so that people really experience what it's like to, to quite to, to just really quite lose their minds. I think it's hilarious.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean so we're gonna do this all and it's and so p- people hear you say there was a first introduction, think oh they're going back to editing. This is a professional thing they've got going Oh to edged, no, oh, be reassured. Well, no, no, be reassured. It, of course it is professional. We're we professionals. Are, this yeah, is a professional yeah. podcasting operation. That's fair enough. Fair and um but we are not gonna do any editing. I just had to I started, I realized I didn't have this, these notes I wanted to have, so I had to go get those and okay. I figured you know, we weren't that far into it. Just start again. Just start again. So you're again. gonna
1: That's, chomp off that first thing.
0: Gonna lop it off. Okay. Like like you know. I was going to make a thing, but then like maybe, I don't know. I'm not going to make a thing
1: about it. It's a, it's the Procrustian bed maneuver. Mm. The bed of procrustes. Mm. So how you been? It's been a little while. It has been, been a been,
0: while. It's been a hot minute, as they say. That's what the kids say. Oh, okay. <laughs> a New York minute.
1: Mm. I don't think they say that anymore. No?
0: No, it's too expensive.
1: Oh. Uh, I think there's like, isn't there a Don Henley song about like in a New York minute? Something, I, that's something? the Eagles,
0: right? Was it the Eagles? I, no,
1: I mean Don Henley's a member of the Eagles. He was is, a member of the Eagles, but I think this might have been during his so, the, like a solo. So we yeah. digress. This isn't legal. theory. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the Eagles. I was, okay. I mean, look, I,
0: I, I don't want to rain anybody's. Pra- I'm not a fan of the Eagles, but okay. like you know, I mean, hey. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I don't know. Right. I mean, whatever. Yeah, did
1: they ever do Hotel California? Was that one of theirs? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of a classic. <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> you said you don't want to talk about them, but I think we could pause long enough to simply acknowledge that that is a classic. It's – hmm. You, you want to debate objectively that it's a classic. I was a stairway kid. Okay. So – I mean, groovy. I, I was a stairway kid, so I can't – I'm um, talking about that song specifically. Yeah, I know. It sort of captures a cultural thing and it's a classic. Well, let's it's, move it's, on. Not, it's not a – yeah.
0: I, look, I'm sure there are a lot of people who love it and there's nothing wrong. There are a lot of people who love the band Rush. Mm. More power to them. Indeed. that's uh, It's not me, but, right. you know, I've got friends, you know, some of my best friends
1: love Rush, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think it... I wonder if anyone's... I wonder if anyone who's appeared as a guest on this podcast, or a host for that matter, uh, was a big Rush fan. I don't. We've not asked people that. No. So if we could start. No, I, that's... I don't want this... Why? Why would I ask that? Just to find out. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a, sort of a survey modality to sort of learn what... We
0: talked about music on the last episode, which Did was, we? I think, it well, I mean, I, I don't know. It was sometime. Yeah, it was so long sometime ago. Sometime in 2018, right? Is that when we were? Yeah, that was, and, I mean,
1: it was at least eight months ago.
0: And, and how, like, you know, music is very meaningful for pretty much everybody. You know, I find it very meaningful. Mm. And yet, talking about your love of music and particular music you love is kind of like talking about your dreams a little yeah, bit. Yeah. You know? Like, I make, kind of kind of, I make lots of playlists. I love making playlists that, mm. that um, when I listen to them will kind of instantly transport me back to... Yeah. The feelings I had during you know, those there's times. this time, but like called, I can't, and I share them. Like people can go look at them, but I don't expect them to be meaningful to anybody else. There's this thing called Spotify. Yes, that's where S- I make my playlists.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You can tell I'm a little bit behind the curve there, but oh, wow. Are, do you have a subscription to Spotify? I do now. Okay. And okay. Uh, look, when, when when did you jump on the Spotify train? Journey? Oh, actually, it was a few months ago. But the um, <laughs> a few months ago, yeah. So. <laughs>
0: Oh, what were you, you know, the ATP guys, the automatic tech, uh, automatic, the um, uh, the accidental tech podcast guys. Okay. Uh, I think there's a consensus. I don't know. Maybe one of them started using Spotify, but for the longest time, they they have all these episodes about like what they're going to do when like Apple music change when the iTunes thing changes to music and like how, what are they going to do with all, all of their music? It's like none of them. It's weird that like Spotify it, to me, it's it's like, it's cheap. You can Apple Music is also cheap, but they're worried about like moving from owning music to streaming music right, in a way a, that seems really like old fashioned. Yeah, me. it's
1: pretty. Yeah, I agree.
0: Like I, I don't see any advantage to um, I don't say any advantage, but I see very little advantage compared to the massive advantage of right. being able to access anything you want at any time.
1: Well, I think a, a thing that may be happening in in television, the phenomenon of television streaming might, might be what someone uh, could have been concerned about, uh, about a sort of. Yeah, a shattering of sources so that there's there's like you have to actually do, use five different subscription services to get an approximation yeah. of what you might have had in your prior collection, and then it might feel as if well I you know I I, didn't, I bought those things I then had electronic copies of those things and now I'm sort of having to subscribe to five different things yeah. right uh so it's know, so I, awesome that music is
0: so much better I mean the the worst that happens with the music streaming services so far is that some artists which is you know usually one which is hugely popular so it rarely applies to anything that interests me is they will have an exclusive for like a month or something like that yeah but then who cares it's available to everybody right eventually so that so that that um i not say a parade of horribles but that particular horrible hasn't happened yet in streaming music yeah uh the, i mean there is this concern about like moving to a rental versus ownership culture and I'm I'm setting to one side the kind of more tea ceremony aspects of like owning a physical like record or something like that where you display it and you're able right. to play it. And like all of that can be like I, I'm I'm maybe in my older age, Joe. I don't mm. know if you know this, I'm I'm forty seven years old now. Mm. Um uh I I'm more appreciative of those kinds of rituals. You know, I don't for music I don't have that myself. I mean right. I, but um but I can at least understand it, maybe in a way that which is less uh judgmental than maybe I used to be about it. But um uh, so so th- setting all those things aside, there still is this concern about ownership and, and rental.
1: I think Aaron Perzanowski has written a book about this, mm-hmm. the title of which eludes me at the moment. But um, it's something along those lines. Yeah. It's in the back of my head too. We've got to yeah. get him back on the show. Aaron Persanowski, who's – I can't remember. Where is he? At Michigan State or
0: um, – now I'm N- just, Now you're putting me on the spot because I mind love Aaron. Cid, I just don't you know? remember for 100 percent like what his school right. is. Anyway, law professor. Hopefully he's listening and he's he's, he's yelling into his
1: phone right now. Yeah. Look it up. Look it up. Well, we're going to have him on the show
0: soon, right? Are you going to start inviting guests? Are we ever going to have guests again? I I don't know.
1: Are you going to invite anyone again? Um, Well, I don't think we want to do this in front of the the children. (laughs) (laughs) So let's move on to a
0: different topic. I did give you one suggestion. You did, yeah, and so I. But but we agreed that I would I would do the invitation. You seem there. to be the more natural inviter. Yeah, and so I think we I I will do that. I have not. Um, uh, yeah, so I so I will be doing that shortly. So so, but you know, whether you want to invite anybody, this is we we had a we've had a number of like existential conversations on air. Yes, about the podcast, like w- which direction will season two take, and I think we can say it's taking a slow
1: direction. Yes. Yeah. So we'll, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but it like, has I'm become I'm... <laughs> it has become the most lumbering of Galapagos tortoises. Yeah. It really is taking its sweet time. I like the irregularity of it though. You do. I well, I mean, I, I think it's we are wearing on, me. We went but... too
0: long uh between the last episode and this one. But, you know, we had a lot of like travel and things going on. It was a lot of craziness. My daughter to college and then we took a trip and then you took a few trips and right. and so it just—it's like but, an academic like,
1: conference and a wedding and a yada. But you know, the show is a lot better if we don't worry about that. If we just say, "Oh, we can record. Let's do it." Yeah, and so it's—it's it's sort of me rearranging some of my mental furniture, as you would point out, is what I'm forever doing here. Uh, again, let let us—can we move to something of substance, or shall we simply adjourn? Um, I
0: well, I mean, are you—is—is is this a motion to table this item, or is this a motion? Do you do you want to make a motion?
1: Because we do follow, as I've mentioned before on the show, Robert's rules of <laughs> order. Oh, I don't. <laughs> mm, I I don't. I want to not. I want to not talk about. I want to not navel gaze on the show as a show as a thing we are doing. Because we've done that before. I want to have a conversation.
0: Yeah. So let's do that. I I, I agree. You know, have you ever? Um, I, this came up in my I think in my land use class because they're going to these like local meetings and things and observing. Oh, yeah. So we're talking about um. Uh, so students are yeah, attending. Yeah. yeah. These oh, speaking of great. Robert Speaking of Robert's rules, it's um <sighs> it reminds me of like you've been on a committee before, right? Committees of various kinds, not not just in the law school, but maybe a board of directors of something or a, a charitable board or something like that. Have you ever or, you know, even in college or high school, you know, some kind sure. of committee where there's Of course. Where, where there's this feeling like there should be some kind of order here, and maybe someone even use Robert uses Robert's rules, but then um, just the kind of the 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 formal nature of it tends to drive the, the discussion. For some reason, like twenty minutes is taken up by something that you never would have predicted in advance. You'd spend twenty minutes on, and right. like nobody at there actually wants to spend twenty minutes on. Right. But like everybody's concerned that unless they talk about it a little bit, the person who brought it up may feel you know what I mean. Right. There's this weird dynamic that that causes you to spend I don't know tw- twenty out of the forty minutes available for the meeting talking about the kerning on the website. And
1: my, and my sense is that the um. Uh a benefit of s- some orderly approach to the conduct of a meeting where there are many people, each of whom might have various uh, interests and concerns, is that it is a good way to ensure, uh, if you have an orderly process, that everyone can be heard. Right, And that's a really good thing, so like substantively a really good thing, both because the participants feel better about it and because it probably produces better decisions. Mm -hmm. by getting more information and more perspectives worked in. So having an orderly process so it's not just chaos, like, that's good. Unless there's a problem on the committee that needs to be shut down. (laughs) Well, okay. Or (laughs) um, if there's only a few people, it's sort of overkill. You don't really need a big elaborate process. But in a room of 30 people or 50 people or something like that, just like – you can't even see everybody clearly to yeah. know or like someone's about to speak, or so you do need. You Boy, need if it's that something. many, yeah, you can't use
0: a rule like everybody talks once before anybody talks twice, and if it's a room of fifty, right? Um, but you might be able to do something close to that.
1: Yeah, so it's just, it's funny because the you mentioned it, you know had I been on committees or or boards or what have you, and it's a you know I don't know that I've ever been um, apart from being in a, in the law faculty context. Um, which is a governance act when the faculty meets uh, on matters, the, the committees and boards and such, they've never been big enough to warrant that sort of elaborateness of process. Mm. It's, you've been able to make sure that if you've got a good chair of the of the meeting, you've, you've been able to ensure that you get participation, you, you move through the topics you need to move through so that you can actually accomplish something. Uh, you and up spend 20 end, end minutes on talking time. About what? Yeah, ending on time is a big value. Ending on time is good. Uh, you know, little things like making sure there's an agenda that's sent out before the meeting takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember back in the day hearing uh, uh uh Merlin Mann talk about, you know, things like, why are you going... <laughs> Something like, why would you ever go to a meeting where there was no agenda for the meeting? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, you know? I don't know. Um, which is, which captures a thought about... uh how to try to accomplish something yeah. it, like anything else. If you did it rigidly and dogmatically, it probably wouldn't uh, be super helpful. But, um, I think I remember hearing, I, but Merlin, it captures an insight, right? Merlin is very wise. I
0: don't know that I agree with that all the time. I think that's as a general, you know, why would you ever go? Well, I can think of lots of reasons why you'd have a meeting. Of course. Agenda, well, and but. he states things in an automatic yeah, way. And, but it captures a certain idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. So I think your suggestion then is, um, Because I I heard you before, I listened carefully, I know that you want to continue the navel-gazing part of the show for a little bit longer. That's what I heard you say. Um, That we should, (laughs) that that maybe on our website we will post an agenda a week in advance of the taping of the show.
1: Oh, nice. And then we will proceed through the agenda and we'll take motions to to move on. I love it. I love it. The the, the only thing missing in what you've said so far, and so I really do consider this a friendly amendment, uh, is that we need to acquire a gavel. So that we can okay. bang in and out those various items of business. Does a,
0: does a friendly amendment need to be moved to be voted upon?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. It could be that if it comes from... Does it the, need a second? I don't if know. If it that's... comes from the friendliness committee, it might be a privileged motion, which okay. doesn't require a second before it's voted on. Right. These, this is a... See, we need a parliamentarian. Is what we we really do. We really do. That and Darcy be... does not look Ooh. up for the task. Season
0: three, the season of the parliamentarian. That's where we add a third person to the show. Who will it be? Maybe season two, Joe, can feature can feature a search a reality, s- reality show style competition for a third uh member of uh of the of the panel here. Wow, you're blowing my mind there, dude. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you could tell. I know it sounded like I'd planned that out in advance uh, and I'd been thinking about it all week, but You were doing something out loud and it's interesting
1: <laughs> to hear that you've called it thinking. I like that's a, that's that's the real gem yeah. I think in that sentence. Okay, but... well by my count we've almost hit the 15 minute mark. Yeah. I say that... we I'd say we throw in the towel. <laughs>
0: Well, no. The point is that's that's kind of like we've always <laughs> these we've are al- fifteen good minutes. <laughs> we've always analogized it like shaking out your shoes to escape to shake out like scorpions and spiders and things like that, right? And this is like the casual listeners have have long since abandoned the show, <laughs> right? I think that was actually many episodes. ago. So I think we can now talk about the the we did agree in advance on a topic for the show today.
1: Yes, you suggested that we read a thing and talk about a thing. I guess that's what we're doing. And what did we read? You have the title? Uh, I don't. I mean, I can scroll to it. <laughs> yeah. Because um, in, in, I have a PDF copy open. Yeah, I, I on have my a PDF phone.
0: copy too, but I don't have it open. Oh, shit. We, we should get the thing right, though, don't you think? Get what right? The, the title and the authors
1: and all well, that. Well, sure. I mean, you know, uh, we could do, it, do them at least that good turn. So the authors are uh, Micah Schwartzman and Jocelyn Wilson. Uh, apologize for any mispronunciation there. Um, the Unreasonableness of Catholic Integralism. So there's a thing called Catholic integralism and they are contending that it is unreasonable according to a metric that metric turns out to be uh, uh you know liberal democracy political theory a la John Rawls. Right. Uh and Catholic integralism turns out to be a, a, a contem- I take it a contemporary reasonably contemporary uh reasonably current uh movement among at least some members of the Roman Catholic faith tradition. Um To establish, uh, I think you you have to call it a version of Catholic theocracy, right? Yeah. Uh, Along, somewhat along the lines of the Iranian regime. At least that's how it struck me. Right. Uh, That that there are uh, there's sort of a political entity, and then there's a a a theological, a church entity. Uh, They don't have to be the same, but they do have to be carefully coordinated, and the supremacy of the religious order. the religious authorities, right, uh, is clearly inscribed in the plan Mm -hmm. so that even if they are separate people or separate entities, uh, it is very, very clear who's in charge. And who's in charge is the theological authorities, the theocratic authorities. Um, This strikes me as very much the lines of the current Iranian regime. I I kept looking for places to break in to correct you, to
0: amplify, to do something else. And once again, I was reminded of... Why Joe Miller is the heart, the beating heart of the show, because <laughs> huh. you know I was going to k- jump in with oh it's you know a la Jean Rawls, but then you did that and the, you know, basically you did everything. I mean I might have said neo integralism mm. to dis- to talk about the new movement, right? Um,
1: oh, that's true. I mean there could be, a, I mean in a sense the 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 sort of the Reformation and Counter Reformation uh, are are all about a, a, in a way a contest over the form of integralism that that predated. Lutheran, Lutheranism. Right. Um, there was a time when there, there, uh, the West was integralist in that uh, respect, right? The, the Pope is sitting atop a Catholic Church hierarchy. There are various princes and kings in various places, um, all of whom subscribe at least uh, uh, explicitly and uh, publicly to the Catholic faith. And so there's this connection and coordination between, uh, you know, political power and uh, and temporal power and church power. Yeah,
0: uh, And that's one of the, that's one of the phrases they used to distinguish, right? The temporal power and the, yeah. what, what's the, well, wait, what's the other one? It's the religious power.
1: Maybe yeah. I don't remember so, what it is. So, you, so to call what's happening today, the sort of neo-integralist, I think is a nice, that's a nice marker that, that it really does harken back. Yeah to a, um, a a quite old but, but long set-aside uh, tradition, well, at least I, in liberal
0: democracies in the West. You know, I don't know all, all of the evidence here, but I, I think it would be a reasonable hypothesis that throughout the entirety of human history, right, that, the, that those who spoke for a people on matters involving their place in the universe also controlled the levers of power, probably in most civilizations and most places and most times. Would be my guess. There at least were – so one version of the – Well, to uh, the
1: degree there's a coherent ideology about the most important things that most people in that place uh, subscribe to. I think what you just said sounds right. Yeah. Uh, And and it is precisely when there are lots and lots of different views about the most important things where what you said becomes harder to – maintain or it becomes or preserve. a thing to argue about at least that
0: as societies become more complex in terms of values it becomes something to argue about yeah more pluralist you might say to use word. Um, the word the only other thing i would say is that um, as i read the different and, and i read so what so why are
1: we talking about this maybe?
0: i read the article and then i read a number of like uh so adrian vermule um uh, famous administrative law theorist among other things written many many awesome things yep. um
1: very um, accomplished law professor
0: and he's talked a lot about this recently. I can't read him on Twitter because he blocked me. Mm. I don't know why. <laughs> as soon as I followed him, he blocked me. So, mm. um, uh, so maybe you have some insight into his like musings on Twitter. I do
1: not follow him on Twitter. Um, I did uh, uh, I did read some of the things pointed to in the uh, Schwartzman um, unreasonableness of Catholic yeah. Israelism so I was piece. just going to say I read a few of those things. I, yeah. I read some little snippets of a few of them. The only yeah. one I read uh, soup to nuts was uh, I think it was a 2016 piece where he's interviewed. About his uh, uh, conversion becoming a Roman Catholic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his conversion experience, and uh, as it's described in that piece, and uh, and some snippets of some other things. I, I have to say, uh, and I say this as someone who, as a child, was my, my parents were Roman Catholic. I was uh, uh, raised for a while in the Roman Catholic faith. I did not uh, uh, become confirmed in the faith. I did not go through that process. Uh, which you do when you're sort of a uh, young teenager because uh, I didn't want to the i i, f- I find this integralism stuff uh, qu- quite jarring um, mm-hmm. and 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 frankly uh, pretty frightening uh, because i in just the same way that i find the theocratic regime in iran jarring right. and frightening um, i think this is a a way of approaching human governance and human life that that requires and and quite explicitly calls for um, massive uses of force against the population of your own place um, to enforce an orthodoxy. Uh, And I know that people like me, as just one example, as a gay person, um, I I would very much be on the losing end of a lot of problems if anything remotely like this became the case here so that that i find personally um you know jarring and frightening yeah i mean all of us who are not catholic um that that includes me
0: uh, maybe intellectuals who are not catholics especially but um but then there are going to be vulnerable populations who are in some ways seen as like anti-catholic or or you know i don't think you know not many catholics would would state it that way i think i don't think they would think of anybody as anti-catholic in in that sense but certainly People who make a commitment to following ways of life which are in direct contradiction with um, the understandings of certain forms of Roman Catholicism, right, uh, would you know, would find themselves vulnerable, would feel vulnerable.
1: No, Schwartzmann uh, well, let, let me. Can I
0: do an opening as well? Sure. To, just to say, um, so, so the I, I think this it's this is a fascinating kind of like case study in a certain. I think mode of thought we that we find ourselves in right now, which is why I wanted to read it. Oh, yeah. So example. I do. I
1: did want to hear you reflect on why you thought it would be fun to read yeah. and talk about. Well,
0: so, but I want to put given that, how <laughs>
1: intensely unpleasant it was to read big pieces of it and some of the yeah. underlying documents. Well, to put so I want to put in advance because first of all, I think Vermeule is a very
0: interesting thinker, right? He, yes. A lot of his inclinations, I, I, I there's a, I, I experience a lot of self recognition when I read his pieces in terms of the way that he strives to connect things in various. Ways like
1: the moves he takes, I'm like, ah, yes, yes this is. Oh, he is <laughs> and- an incredibly. Li- in addition to being, I think, an an amazing stylist as a writer, mm-hmm. um, he's clearly a, an extremely lively thinker, right? And uh, his 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 writing has a kind of athleticism, yeah. conceptual athleticism that is is quite unusual, right? Um, but and I I also see in him a you know
0: a, a mind which is which which is constantly straining to make meanings of things right? Which is like, and that it makes, you know, you read someone like that and you feel that there's a compatriot there and and a, that you don't always recognize when you read other things. So, so I've, I've always been really attracted to his, uh, to his writing. Um, but I want to get back to that maybe a little bit later when we talk about, you know, what this moment means. But like, like you, I should say up front that this, I find this extremely <laughs> distressing. Um, I do think though, that if, if they were uh, if the integralists were successful in their general argument about integrating religious faith into a theocracy that they would be on the losing end of that in the United States so you should, you should be careful what you wish for they would be on the what they would be on the losing end of that the theocracy which would be established it would be much more likely to be some combination of evangelical and kind of you know it would be basically i think a materialist version of christianity that would come out mm. but so right. this is a kind of be careful what you wish for, kind of thing. Unless they combine it with some kind of federalism, so maybe in Boston you would have a, you know, but but not, you know, <laughs> you are not going to get a Roman Catholic theocracy in, I think in in rural Alabama. I don't, no, I don't think. I don't so, think so. Um, but the other thing I would say is, uh, that you know the first half of this paper kind of goes over what the integralist thought is, what its um, precursors are in its own know, terms, right? Just yeah. it's the way it describes itself. And and a lot of the arguments that that lead them to conclude, right? That that basically their version of catholicism is incompatible with liberalism. I and mean, we'll get to both in in a moment I think and um are actually convincing, right? I mean there's there's a lot of critique of liberalism or at least some descriptions of liberalism which I think, you know, we should face, right? That's non-neutrality basically, right? And and the writers of this piece uh, certainly face up to that. Right. However, uh, uh, you know, the prescription here for establishing a theocracy and they – they you know, there, there are different writers here which explore different possible forms, institutional forms and I think Vermeule has a um, – probably a pretty, you know, generative mind about the different kinds of institutional forms mm-hmm. that a theocracy could take, right? right. And, uh, and so, you know, one of them involves, as you said, these kind of parallel church and state institutions but the difference being – that the church institution would also have coercive powers, right? traditional coercive powers, not just the state, right? And right? There are obviously all kinds of arrangements in between that would integrate the church into the state in other kinds of ways rather yes. than just sharing coercive powers. Trevor
1: Burrus But it does seem to that to achieve a, 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 that the necessary level of integration, it would be uh, of paramount importance that the state not have a monopoly on violence. Uh, they would no longer have a monopoly. It could yes. be, a du- but it would be a duopoly. <laughs> Correct, but, <laughs> right.
0: but and and I think very importantly, it would be a duopoly. Yeah, we would have maybe ecclesiastical courts and and royal courts of of some kind. I don't know. Yeah. It, it it seems like authoritarianism would also be a thing in the political on the political side of things too. But
1: you do get and you get the sense in some of the some of the Vermeule material that um, this sort of focus on the The energy and vitality of the executive power as as against legislative power. Yeah. Um. That that it they would your your observation about authoritarianism is um is consistent with that. Right. Right. That that these these both the body both the political order and the theological order would be uh very much executive models um and hierarchical executive models. Right. Right. Yes, and, so, and you know Pope and President, right? And the legislative power being very, very, very much subordinate. And I think for Mule's, like
0: scope of imagination for administrative forms makes all of this seem like more plausible that you could deliver a lot of the ends that you normally want out of government without turning to the ordinary kind of checking institutions and individual rights based uh, uh, institutions, right? Um, right. So, but but I wanted to. To put that out there, and just, and then just say that like you, I came away just reading the first half of this paper that describes this, and getting to the end and wondering, well, what do you need to say in the second half? Like it's just totally incompatible with liberalism, um, <laughs> and, and and a very liberal notion of liberalism. Like you can imagine very, you know, different notions of liberalism, and this would be opposed to all of them because basically it's calling for uh, domination by one religious sect, right? Um,
1: yes, and in a totalizing fashion, right? A, a, a fully uh, again that word integralism, right? A, it, it is um, there wouldn't be any part of life that wasn't touched by yeah. that change, and it it's so much so that you wonder why you know why should we not contest the word
0: integralism? Because of course it's only integrated from the point of view of someone already in the Catholic Church, right? So, uh, for the rest of us, it would be domination,
1: right. and it's yes, uh, and and that's I mean if you take the internal. Perspective of the people who subscribe to this uh, version of Catholicism that um, it's integralist in the sense that the political order is reintegrated back to the subservience to the m- more important right. theological order, right? So, yeah. Rather than yeah. disintegrated into the current, what they view, I take it, as a morally catastrophic. Uh, situation in which we currently find ourselves. Uh, well, so modernity and political liberalism. So before we get into all of the interesting
0: things that we can explore from this, I just wanted to say at the outset that, you know, if this were a successful movement, there would be left, nothing left for me to do but fight, right? And, and I would fight it my own way through nonviolence, but like I would refuse to cooperate. So this is, to me, this is a total non-starter in the sense that it, it means uh, it's a declaration of war. Okay, I mean, to the extent that it actually got off the ground as a real movement, right? right. It's,
1: we, it's, which is another way of suggesting it won't get uh, off the ground. Yeah, so I, I, I think mean, it's I mean, very there unlikely. are clearly there are thinkers who are who are sharing these ideas and trying to articulate this vision, and which is, of course, exactly what happens in a country like ours, where different people have different views about the most important things, and one thing they do uh, is try to persuade others of the rightness of those views and try to uh, you know go about. Uh, uh, trying to get public policies that are congenial to those points of views that's another slightly creepy thing about this integralism stuff is that th- there does seem to be a, 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 a quite a bit of openness to a fifth columnism uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: approach which is sort of well, uh, jarring to hear
0: well but I, whatever I, I, um, so,
1: you know and so part of what the
0: i think the second part of the paper is responsive to i don't know if it really talks about this directly is is a concern not just like if this were a successful on its face Movement, meaning you know, we're the Catholic theocracy party, and we win the most votes, and then we do away with you know a lot of institutions and um, and and uh, and laws and protections. But um, but that to the extent that this is the end goal for a lot of people, and they and their reasons for doing things within our politics has to do with this end goal, is that compatible with the idea of liberalism? In other words, is there kind of an ethic of a participant in a democratic polity, in a pluralistic society that is um, uh, not just erased by a theocracy itself, but by those who act within the system to make incremental advances with the
1: end goal of theocracy? Do you know what I mean? I do. And it's a really interesting question because on the one hand, and I'm not a uh, I'm not a Rawlsian political theorist, so I don't have the facility with the concepts and the arguments. I don't, well, but, I don't have my glasses on. Let me put my glasses on
0: there just to see. Yeah, no, you don't. Yeah, I don't know. You kind of <laughs> look like one, Joe, a little bit. <laughs> uh, Maybe the, it's just the uh, shirt today. I don't know.
1: The the um, you totally derailed me. <laughs> 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 For real, I have no yeah. idea what I am saying. <laughs> Oh
0: my God! Well, I, I was just—I was just mentioning oh, the about, reason, the, right. about
1: the individual ethic
0: uh, of of reason giving. So, so
1: on the one hand, the, <laughs> you've got this notion of um, of pluralism and a commitment to the idea that free and equal people, each of whom are trying to pursue their understanding of the most important things, uh, will come to different solutions, right? Will come to different conclusions. So, so the the fact of pluralism is. Uh, uh, it's in the world and and I suppose from the Rawlsian political theorist point of view, you might even say it's a good thing about the world, right? Because it's a – or at least it's an indicator of of freedom and equality, which are good things. Uh, then you think to yourself, well, okay, uh, we – if we're thinking about living together at the project of having a body politic, the project of be, having a social life together uh, – you could agree on actions uh you might agree on actions even if you don't agree on reasons for actions right um and if people have different visions of the most important things some of the people who you agree with on actions might very well have reasons you find not so great right right uh and so mm, the i think um it it is this difficulty that that liberalism has with um with being so, so open uh, that it appears that it's open to things that would destroy it, um, and and that is a real kind of challenge to figure out. I, that seems to be part of what the back half of the paper is trying to. Work well, you can you way. can meet that by either by saying that this is against the ethic of
0: liberalism. They point to these kind of two facets of the basic right. Rawlsian derived ethic of liberalism, which is a commit- which
1: means the re- the underlying reasons that people agree on actions really do matter. Right. If you if you think about we not only want to do these things, but we want to do them in a context where we are vindicating political liberalism as a thoroughgoing project. So that we're, in other words, some of us are not just trying to destroy it, right? Although we don't seem as if we are, perhaps at first. Well, right? but the
0: the other approach you might take, though, is is more of a kind of a heart heart and sacks inflected, um, um, you know, so long as we have open discussions, um, you know, liberalism can. Can toot to horn all at once, but we have a certain kind of faith in the people of the polity, right? To, right. uh, um, to reject such arguments, right? To because, uh, but you know that <laughs> I don't know. Sitting here in 2019, I'm just a lot less. I have a lot less of that kind of faith uh, than maybe I used to. Just <laughs> right? A few years yeah, ago. I certainly feel that way. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Which
1: is why I suppose I think one thing Schwartzman says at one point is that, and I feel terrible that I'm keep forgetting the family name of his co-author. Jocelyn Williamson, Williams, something like that. Because um, it's not one, just Schwartzman who wrote it. Either there were two authors. See, there. this is the downside of just having notes in front of me rather than the yeah. article. Um, that, um, you know, it, it is important for, and, and I think it's correct. It is important for the continued health and vibrancy of liberal democracy, that people in it be able to defend its values and its commitments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because, it, there are values and commitments that are part of the fabric of liberal democracy. And if we can't explain them and defend them and can't recognize when something like Catholic integralism or some other approach to organizing our social life and our politics um, that, that are really striking at the heart of and and mm-hmm. would be would work great harm to are, are in some fundamental way, deeply inconsistent with incompatible with. Yeah. Uh, Political liberalism, liberal democracy, then we're in trouble uh, if we can't if we can't robustly articulate the problems and how they these things don't fit. Right? There's I, I think there's like an unreflective like maybe a, I'm just thinking this now
0: a semi reflective and then a reflective version of this kind of illiberalism and the unreflective we actually I think I've mentioned it on this show before because I've mentioned that um, several times probably because it's just an example that you know sticks in my head it's the one with the uh, super size guy, uh his T V show, remember we had the I've talked to you about this before, where he, he basically put together a um a Mormon woman with a um a couple of gay men who were raising a child mm. in I think Minnesota and she right. lived with them and the idea was like if you really get to know each do we move past the kind of the the top level nationwide political arguments when we have deep personal connections. Right. And at the other end of the show, she came out really liking the two guys, but being against, still being deeply against gay marriage. Um, but what was kind of unreflective about it was that she resisted them by saying that she felt like personally attacked in a way. Like, you know, why can't we agree to disagree about this? Where what I, where where your view is, you should be allowed to marry, and my view is that you should not, right? So why can't we just agree to disagree about that basic question, right? And it's. Um, it's unreflective in the sense that like she doesn't recognize the asymmetry of the situation, right? That what right. she's arguing for is a is a coercive rule about their behavior, right? And all they're arguing for is to be left alone. Now, those um, – w- we'll get into how I think the, the more kind of – well, the harder version, versions of that. But that's you – know, well, well, I guess the semi-reflective view is reflected in um, – is it just as Scalia and his dissent in Lee against Wiseman that I've uh, taught rather recently? I, I think it was in that case uh, where – um, he talks about religious uh, the hostility that um, progressives have toward liberal practice. Where they, um, I think it was in that one where he refers to like this view of religious practice that it should be like um, masturbation or pornography, which is d- best done in private, right? And he's saying no. There's a you know being religious for many people in the country involves a certain kind of public performance. It mm. it, it requires a kind of collective act, right? Which he argued it's okay to yoke to the state a little bit. I think there was about you know prayer at high school graduations and things, yeah, right?
1: Uh, right. The ceremonial deism tradition in American public life. and
0: But uh, he, I think he would go further than that and suggest that, hey, there is a, you know, it, it's okay. Well, you know, town of Greece, we can get into all these other cases, right? Uh, right? Um, and, and then I think this, the view that, um, that I'm taking from some of what from Mule has written, I think is the more reflective version of this, which is something I'm rather attracted to. And we've talked about before how there is no view from nowhere. And it is the um, attack on liberalism but as, as claiming that it basically is a view from nowhere but saying, hey, you're filled with values. And the, and the authors of the paper that we read point, of course, we're going to own up to the, to the values of liberalism. And that's right. to say that like liberalism carries with it um, some certain views about how things should go. It, consider, it carries with it a view of the good life, right? But it encourages us to have conversations which Vermeule is frustrated um, for there being always one level up from the good. It's like we can never, you know, we can never do that one thing in human life that we really want to do, which is to talk about how best to live together, because we're always talking about how to talk about, how to talk about, how to talk about, how to talk about, how to live
1: well together, that kind of thing. Right. right. So it's always at least one level up. Well, right. So so the fundamental in the in the liberalism context seems to be that there is pluralism. Like that seems to in a way, seems to be the fundamental. Yeah. Because it is, that fun, it is that pluralism about the best things or the best life, the most important things. Um, th- that is why we don't spend a lot of time talking about them mm-hmm. because they're not in common. They're not what we have in common. In fact, it's pre- that is precisely the thing we don't have in common. Uh, and so what, if, if you spend <laughs> – if, if social life is talking productively about that which you have in common – not surprising that in political liberalism that's the thing that will not be on the conversational menu. But but I think that's the second point of attack here,
0: right? That to pretend that you're not talking about the good is if not a lie, an intentional lie, at least a self-deception, right? That that even this talking one level up involves a a background a background conception of the good which is being advanced. And which can then be advanced in other complicated social ways, like through shaming on the internet and things like this, right there's always a social construction of the good that liberalism allows to flourish, and it doesn't allow certain forms of fighting back and so there's never a level there's never a level playing field where what 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 the tools of coercion are doing is basically nothing right they're not tilting it sure. one way or the other
1: but the, so that so say more about you say when you you really you really are talking about the good it's and so how would you describe that? It's the it's the good uh, that preserves pluralism. Yeah.
0: So take take um, Title Seven, right? So in in the business world, right? Uh, we forbid discrimination on various grounds, and there's a case in the Supreme Court now about um, whether one of those grounds includes sexual orientation. Right. Uh, we know that it includes um, considerations of race and, and gender. Um, so you can't exclude if you are a, um, uh, a public accommodation or an employer, or you know, not. Title Seven. what is it? Title Three is that public accommodations? I forget. But the Civil Rights Act, right, forbids various kinds of discriminations in various kinds of places. Right. And um, so what this takes away is the kind of private prerogative to say, I want to deal with these kinds of people and not those kinds of people. In some circumstances, sure. In some circumstances. Right. There
1: are often size thresholds that have to be met before that rule would kick right. in. So small employers are not treated the same as not small employers. Right. Their housing law, similarly, so there are real details here that matter, a- and that affect how these sort of play out. Yeah, but but the I I, th- I take the thrust of the of the argument
0: though to be um, that well I don't know if th- the thrust of the argument but as an example, right? So so no employer, large or small, is necessarily precluded from turning away the shirtless, right? At say a restaurant, right? You know, the shirtless and the and the shirted don't need to be treated equally, right? But people of different races do need to be treated equally, and we'll use state power to enforce that norm again against certain employers, maybe not other employers, against right. certain res- certain businesses, not other businesses. Right. Um, and so, what what, the, what state power forbids is the taking into account of of certain facts that might be morally relevant to people based on personal convictions, religious or otherwise. And, you know, I, one of my mentors, Mark Kelman, wrote about public accommodations of various kinds as as basically in impersonal transactions, right? So in in the impersonal business world, um, the norm is that you have to treat people impersonally, you know, like the bundle of receipts that they represent, right, rather than as a bunch of status traits that you kind of uh, arbitrarily deal with. Now, we have certain reasons for only applying that to certain kinds of groups, and he talks about those as being, for the most part, pragmatic and explains, has a good theory of, Of why we would do that. Um, But, you know, there is a, um, it embeds a certain kind of understanding of the world as there's a certain kind of workplace or commercial place that is impersonal, right, where these things should matter and those other things should not matter. And that's a worldview, right? It's a a view about like who should be included on what grounds and what activities. It carves out um, in law spheres of activity and says, these are the spheres, right? And within this sphere, these are the rules, within that sphere, you know, so
1: you, you can look at... Um, and by implication in other spheres, there may be different rules, there may not, but it but the, but state power isn't used to bring about that state of affairs right. in those other spheres. And, so, and look, so I, think it, there's, I think
0: there's good reason for this, right? Because you can, you know, uh, we saw in, in the um, apartheid South um, before the Civil Rights Act and, well, arguably, you know, even now um, in many places, um, you know, the use of private power through exclusion whether it's from restaurants or apartments or neighborhoods or what have you right to um to achieve a kind of social domination that that formal law um deprive people of right and so um th- you know it we are taking a position on social domination so it's consistent with liberalism that you wouldn't want people to dominate and you're identifying so- socially salient area- areas where right. domination can occur through private power and you're denying people the you're denying people that power right
1: yes. but it does take a view Right, it does. As, of course, yeah. That racial hierarchy is pure poison to a, a, a liberal democratic republic. Right. And, <laughs> I mean, that, that seems to be the view expressed. Right, and, and
0: and that you know, baking a wedding cake for someone, right, maybe should be impersonal.
1: Right. I mean, that's that you know. This so is if the, you had, so if you had a a couple uh, come into your bake shop to buy a wedding cake, and they were of a disfavored racial group according to some theory of the world that you have. One, was, the white, one, the was, one was white and one was black and then – Or, or it, both yeah. are – whatever. Or, I mean whatever the, gay, it, yeah. whatever it is, yeah. it's contrary to your view, right, as mm-hmm. the owner of the bake shop. Um, yeah, the, the law uh, – assuming uh, we're talking about a situation where the public accommodation law actually applies uh, and the federal one may not if it's super mm-hmm. small but there might be a state statute that applies um, – uh yeah you you don't get to act uh in commerce our conception of commerce and its impersonality uh it s- says yeah you don't get to indulge in your taste for racial hierarchy in that context yeah well so, so it definitely has a view and has a value and takes a and and makes a commitment
0: and, and i think it's com- our comfort level with kind of injecting these these moral views about you know which are about pluralism so maybe they're meta views maybe they're the kind of views that um uh, that Vermeule thinks should be defended directly rather than at a meta level. But, um, but, but I think it reflects our, our general orientation toward carving up, um, our society into these spheres. And, and I think they're like actually not carved up, they're kind of shrinking spheres, you know, so we have at the level of thought, right. Individual thought, right. Which is, you know, all of, all of the, the kind of great, um, liberal works of fiction, right, like 1984 and others are about defending that scope of private thought, right, mm. from control, right? right? There's there's thought, then there's family, then there's maybe work and commerce, and then there's politics, right? And as you go up that scale, um, we kind of uh, – um, we, we tolerate less and less from you individually um, in terms of your um, – uh, in, in terms of your reasons based in exclusion and domination, Right. Um, so at the level of family, a lot is tolerated. Um, although, you know, even there we see a lot of kind of social friction, uh, or at least we did in the eighties and nineties over, you know, um, domestic abuse and, and divorce and when you can have it. So it, it seems to me these, this way of viewing the world to the extent that what some of the integralists are saying is that it's incompatible with the way we carve up the world. You know, we don't see discrete Um, discrete kind of concentric spheres here what we see is a is a world um a fallen world you know that is continuous right and that our expression in the public sphere is a is continuous with our obligations in terms of our expression as individuals right and so Mm -hmm. so they see a certain kind of um incompatibility with liberalism um at least our liberalism as we've expressed it um Partly because they just don't see the world that way, and this kind of goes with Scalia's, you know, you know, for 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 many of us, our kind of um, deepest religious commitments require a certain kind of public performance or uh, require a certain attitude toward the state, which is where I see that like the, the woman I refer to in the documentary, right? I think had that naively expressed and 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 not well reasoned, but. Um, not that she couldn't. She seemed like a really smart woman. I'm just saying, like, there wasn't, you know, a lot of, like, theorizing that went with it, a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot of reason-giving. It seemed almost like a like a guttural kind of reaction, you know, you know. How can you, you know, you're? I feel attacked that you're taking away my ability to public, pu- publicly perform my religion um, in a coercive way. Right. Um, so
1: anyway, I, those are just some, wait, some wait, Where publicly perform it, I mean, in that context, where publicly perform it means that um, – the 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 most important and personal and intimate choices that other people want to make have to be stopped right that, so it the public performance of it has a very specific form right right because you can imagine all kinds of other ways of publicly performing various faith traditions mm-hmm. right it could be engaging in prayer it could be all kinds of things right right um so Wait, it, which is just to say that
0: just as just as um any incarnation of liberalism doesn't necessarily entail A value-free view from nowhere, right? um, So too, any particular kind of theocratic aim is going to be a a, a view from definitely somewhere, right? A very particular somewhere, right? And so, for you know, uh, uh, for um, some Christians these days, and maybe for other and for other faith traditions, I think including some Islamic traditions in some places, right? Like um, uh, being gay is anathema, right? And they'll use the power of state coercion to try to stop it. Um, uh, or try to reverse it, or prevent it from being expressed, or, or like what have you. And it's a very, it, it, I don't know, I don't or know. Or just that's
1: exterminate a, the people who are engaging in the behavior.
0: Well, that that's um, that eliminationist view is the most extreme of those, right? I mean, yeah, you know, but, you, but
1: you were te- you were pointing to things that are actually
0: happening in the world, and that's one of them. Well, there was yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, well, there was this really telling part, and I went back and I read the um, blog post. I think it was a blog post from Adrian Vermeule about uh, where this. Um, anecdote which was expressed you saw the one about his jewish colleague like mm. he'd given a talk about or they were talking about <laughs> right. in i don't remember if it his was, was his talk and they said you know and, and his jewish colleague is like you know what will happen to me if you win basically and he said you'll be fine <laughs> he said well you'll be you'll be, you'll be all right or you'll be fine Do you remember what he said something along those lines yeah. don't don't worry you'll be all right and uh and, and then but so so vermule himself wrote this down and said this is um he liked this exchange because it was finally about like deep, personal, like uh, the, hmm, how to say this, um, I'm not going to say it probably as he would wish, uh, but it was finally talking about the good, our desires for the good, rather than talking about talk, how we talk about desires for the good. So he saw this like conversation as a positive sign that we're finally getting down to kind of I don't, brass tax is overused, but yeah. we're finally getting down to direct conversation about the good and and personal desires. And, and, and I and, saw it as a, <laughs> um, as a, you know, had someone, had I given a talk and someone asked, you know, what will happen to me if you win in this, in the way that expressed fear, I would have been mortified. I mean, right. um, and, and it, to me, it was like, you know, the only thing that makes it less than terrifying is that I kind of feel like the Jewish colleague probably knew that this would never happen, mm, but you know, right. never say never. These days, right? I think but in this yes, environment,
1: look yeah. when when the when the when someone's remark um, that that you'll be fine comes with the whiff of a, of the camp, yeah, uh, that's quite chilling. Um, yeah, and that, of course that's in the background, and of and, course it is. And
0: you know, one of Vermeule's, um what do you call it? It, it, not, uh, well, common citations here is the work of Schmidt. Right. Right. And
1: uh-huh. um, hmm. although you can think of, you know, uh, but,
0: which doesn't invalidate it. Franco's be- Spain
1: and Pinochet's Chile. And I mean, there's, you point to all sorts of historical examples where some forms of this integralism are achieved, but I mean, Mussolini's Italy for all I know. Uh, I'm not a student of Italian history. Um, so, so yeah, the, these are all um, it, the, lots of, lots of historical examples and other concerns are sort of dancing through the mind. As the sort of totalizing vision that is anti pluralist uh is trotted out i it's yeah it's a thing it seems quite um the the other side of this and I wanted bizarre. to get into this a
0: little bit yeah Darcy's snoring over there isn 't she she's not yeah. finding this conversation very riveting no um, i' I'm, I'm actually happy for her in that in that regard so there, there's any anyway, i i mentioned there's a lot that i 'm sympathetic with one one is describing you know the Um, The way that we have a lot of meta-conversation, right, and the way that in fact we are taking positions in in any particular incarnation of liberalism, we necessarily take some substantive positions and and we create a – and even where we don't create a kind of coercively backed um, uh, set of conditions, we create the conditions on which kind of social – life will play out and people will feel various kinds of social pressures right so so normative social pressure may arise not from from laws themselves but from a certain kind of order right yes and this is just another way that our our society always constructs us as individuals right yeah. so if you if you buy into that that you know who we become is partly you know the life that we live some of that is laws some of that is society which is maybe irrespective of laws but arises for other reasons you know geography technology what have you and some of it is is society that arises partly in, uh, in in dialogue with laws, like the fact that we that our laws are a certain way, we have a certain kind of um, a governmental structure that people rely on, a certain kind of commerce that arises because of those governmental structures, or at least in again in dialogue with those structures. Like we're who we are because of all that stuff, right? And I am sympath- very sympathetic with the idea that. Um, uh, that it is certainly possible to create the conditions that create a lot of broken people, meaning unhappy, suffering people who are cruel, right? And who um, uh, who, who probably would prefer to be otherwise if they only knew how, right? And there are some cultures, like not all cultures are great. Um, I'm not a kind of cultural relati- relativist in that sense. I think that there are certain cultures which are conducive to thriving human lives and some which are conducive to kind of cruelty and suffering, Mm -hmm. And seems that way to me. So one, if you take that view, then you might start to ask yourself, okay, if if what government does is basically set up a series of at least potential coercions of various kinds using uh, uh, which are deployed according to various kinds of rules through a system of institutions and dialogue with et cetera, et cetera, you might start to ask yourself what kinds of coercions, what kinds of uh, rules, what kinds of social structures are best suited to producing thriving people? Right, and if you are a committed, especially conservative Catholic, as I take many of these people to be, right, you have an answer about what kind of life is best. Yes, a very particular answer about what kind of life is best. Yes, and it seems to me that Vermul approaches this with the kind of zeal one that I recognize in myself, um, but two, the kind of zeal that like someone who voluntarily converted, especially recently, might have. Uh-huh. And this is not to impugn his reasons. I don't know him. I don't know what his reasons are. So I'm really using more of an as an archetype here than as an individual. But um, uh, to have suddenly found something which provides answers feels, you know, very powerful. And I recognize wanting other people to experience this, right? If only other people could experience this truth and how transformative it has been for me. You know, combining it with kind of the hierarchical authoritarian nature of the thing, like this is the truth. There's no question this is the truth. And so either people recognize the truth or they do not, right? Um but this uh I I, I'm concerned that the social structures that that he would favor and the political structures he would favor would deprive other people of exactly that journey that he took. Hmm. Right. Like if it's not you know if you grow up in a theocracy, you will never have the experience of grasping for meaning and then happening into something which provides you with those answers. So he kind of would deprive himself of the very conditions that would allow the, the arising of the kind of thing
1: that he's fallen into but, to put occur. slightly differently, um, he is a creature of a world he would unmake. Yeah. Because he would make the world in a different...
0: But I, I think he would reject the idea, I don't know, but many people would reject the idea that that, um, that there's any difference between coming to Catholicism, for example, like later in life, and voluntarily that there's any difference between that and being born into it because what matters is the truth of the doctrine
1: which is certainly not contingent on right. when you uh, approach it and and right. and recognize but I, it but i'm just contesting
0: that that in fact is so from an external Indeed. point of view because i'm not catholic right and i right. and i recognize other kinds of religious zeal right and
1: so we might look at, at his life or the life of any one of us and say in its in its contingency um, to to want to uh, fundamentally change the future uh, in in these vi- quite profound ways mm-hmm. is in a way to say you wish to produce a world that could not have produced you if we believe in that kind of contingency. Yeah, but I, I yeah, and, a, but and I he, think that's, and he may not, and I accept, I think that's, that's what he rejects, right? Uh, that, of
0: course, but it uh, doesn't uh, but matter I don't. how you come. I think but I don't which matter which how you is why come I'm to trying it. to make the observation. Exactly, exactly. Right? Yeah, I agree with you. Um... Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and I would think – like I also think we're at a moment where in – I think he converted to Catholicism before the Trump election in 2016. Um, I think that's when he kind of publicly wrote an article mentioning this was like around the election in 2016. So mm, it must have okay. been in advance of that. I don't know. Um, that interview was
1: about – I think it was 2016. Yeah, was it? Yeah. So,
0: you know, this is, had happened before. For, but for many of us, like I think the kind of um, disaffection with how things are going – and a politics unconnected with the good and substance has been a concern after the election of 2016, right? <laughs> and um, sure. so, so I don't think that he's, so so what I don't find fault in is this impulse to find, um, is this impulse to want to reassert the role of, of substance and values in our politics. Mm-hmm. And I think on the left, especially like, you know, we have talked about like Jed Purdy's new book, I think is an example of that from the left, right? That we need a new kind of politics which prioritizes certain substantive values, whether Uh they relate to the land or each other, right? Uh, And now that's much more attractive to me. It's a personal matter. But also I think after 2016, for a lot of us, there's been a turn inward. Um, I know I've experienced this uh, to a great extent, right? And so for me, like I have a different view of religion than I did before 2016. I have a different view of religious practice than I did before 2016. Um, And I found some practices that are very, very meaningful for me. Um, But... um, uh, and it's the nature of the doctrine of those faiths, which you know don't—I don't at all long for a theocracy. However, I do, you know. We've talked before. This is a little bit of the navel gazing that I know you don't want to return to necessarily, but navel gazing in the broader kind of legal cultural sense of this kind of wondering um, about the possibilities for liberal dialogue. Um, if we can produce an outcome this bad, and I know it could get much worse, mm. right? Um, and, you know, as I see people that I invested a good amount of time with, right, in this kind of ethic of exchange and dialogue, wearing MAGA hats, um, you know, we talked about this shortly after the election, you know, you start to wonder, what is this all for? Is mm. this the right, you know, what are the kinds of ethics that we need to work on in order to have the substantive outcomes that we want right and uh, even if those substantive outcomes are a little bit meta maybe not as direct as what Vermeule would want um but there is a kind of substance and values and ethic missing from our politics at least I've come to think that and I think and for me I've started to doubt that without a lot of personal transformation in the new age of technology and competition for attention and um and disconnection and consumerism right um you know I found myself maybe becoming more of a hippie than ever, right where I just feel like uh that that without an ethical transformation and this totally goes against like all of my like law and econ training in law school and a lot of kind of mm. um uh not that I ever totally bought into it uh, but um but but that you can um that without that we can really survive in the long term right like how many how many trumps can you can you take in the world before someone does something really stupid, right? right. Um, and so, for me, this is like an, ex, you know, I've got this existential question about what is democracy for, uh, what, um, how how do we contribute to it, and how do we create a world in which we can survive and thrive in a good way as as good people, um, better people than we can imagine now, right? How do how do right. we leave our children? better than we found ourselves. That's, I, I find myself asking these questions, partly because of my own kind of personal development, I think, and my, you know, the path I've been going down, which is, this is why I say I recognize this, I have a certain sympathy for Vermeule here, right? Because I think if you have a mind which is um, finding, you know, as human beings do, right? We have this mind which which draws connections between things, which finds meaning, right? It's a meaning-making machine. And one way I describe that is, like, we we reduce this, like, chaotic babble of energy and atoms and stuff into all kinds of categories, which I, you know, I call them models, right? And we run different models at different times in our head and we, and we're gathering like those models are, are meaning machines, right? That we can kind of make sense of our world through. Mm, Right. mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so, so I have a certain sympathy with, a drive to find meaning. I've been doing this ever since I was in high school, basically. I remember, you know, to say, okay, there, have to, there has to be more to this. What's behind this? What is, what's the truth? Capital T, right? And I searched in philosophy and mathematics and and law and uh, and, and now in certain kinds of uh, religious philosophical questions, I think. Um, and he thinks he's found it, right? And if you think you've found it, and it's this, it has this very particular kind of answer, I can understand the impulse to use all of your training to say, here are some ways we can actually realize this. Ways in which, hey, you Jewish colleague, you'll be fine. Right? Don't worry, you'll be fine. But to produce the good, right, we have to organize these institutions around delivering it. And let me tell you what the good is, capital T, capital G.
1: Mm, right.
0: Um, but anyway, that's a long way of saying I'm sympathetic as someone who also you know, I think is similarly driven, but to very, very different answers. To yeah, doubt I, that we can do this in a value free way. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: it's it's um it's interesting that you uh, and I'm and I'm reflecting on the word sympathetic. That I I I think how I would describe my own um my own uh reaction to it is uh, is a feeling of recognition, but not sympathy. Mm. Um, because the it. it <laughs> It is simply of, <laughs> history teaches that uh among other things that the kinds of uh, sectarian commitment uh on offer here with in the conversation right um leads to an enormous <laughs> amount of death yeah. and suffering yeah and uh, and it, of course it it is <laughs> it is not the case, that other things don't also lead to death and suffering. I'm aware of that. <laughs> but religious civil war... Life leads to death, obviously, Joe. Correct. Not doesn't have to lead to suffering. That's another show. Uh, r- religious civil war is, is as obvious a consequence of what integralists are proposing as any other consequence of it, right? At least in the short term. Yeah. Uh, and... And so uh, recognition, yes. Sympathy, no. I think there's, I think I do not have, I don't, I I can, bec- because you can have a vision of uh, the good life that does not include the grinding under into the earth huge numbers of other people. And they, and they can't make that claim for their vision. Is they it can't. more
0: congenial to you if I emphasize that I am sympathetic to the impulse to use your talent and imagination to construct a to construct um, a kind of like social setup that delivers what you think to be the good? Now, I I thought you know I'm trying to be very clear, and I was clear, hopefully clear at the opening that I would lay down my life to prevent the fruition of what he's proposing, without a right? doubt, like, um, Uh, probably, you know, nonviolently, but I would certainly have sympathies with people who use violence to prevent it, right? Even maybe I shouldn't, but, but I might. Uh, so uh, I don't want to, I don't mean to, I want to be perfectly clear. I do not mean sympathetic in that sense. I'm not sympathetic with the project. I'm sympathetic Uh, uh, with the impulse.
1: And I, and I understand that. Um, and I, and I appreciate that. I guess, I guess all I'm trying to say is that, that, um, well, maybe here's a different way to say it. Um, (laughs) As I was reading this, this very, um, I thought, uh, calm and, uh, and learned, and I haven't gone back and read all the original things um, on which, uh, Schwartz and Williams are, are commenting here. Um, but, but, um, as I read it, the waves of revulsion (laughs) that I was experiencing were really profound. Same. Yeah. And, and that is why I, I, um, I can recognize the, um, the, the good feeling of talking about the good life with other people who seem to really care about it in good faith. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I get the draw of that. Um, but boy, do the details matter. (laughs) And so the, the, uh, yeah. I mean, do you, you,
0: I, I had this experience, like, you know, as I'm reading back through these things, I can't believe I'm reading this. Like, I can't believe people are suggesting this. You know, and I, you have to, like, intellectually, if you want to engage with it, you have to move past that a little bit. Yes. But, like, but it's okay yes. to recognize that you're having those thoughts, that this sure. is this is a, an existential threat to people, uh, you know, maybe to me, but certainly to people that I know and love, right? And so um, I can't ignore that fact. I have to and, recognize that and fact. And the
1: things in history that we could point to where you can imagine an integralist perspective being vigorously embraced, you know, and then you look at your watch and you're in the middle of sectarian civil war. Yeah. Um, Like you do not have to be, you don't have to be a PhD in history to, to understand that these lessons are out there. Well, so it's also a bit gobsmacking in that respect. But I also think like as, as a, as a practical project,
0: you know, to succeed, it's going to attract. You know, if it were to succeed, it would have to attract lots of supporters, right? And let's just say the supporters are not going to have the nuance of Adrian Vermeule, right? So even if even if he thinks that you could create institutional structures that would keep, you know, his Jewish friends safe, uh, or and perhaps even thriving, I don't know. I don't know what structures he has in mind, and maybe he's written things that I haven't read. I've read a few things, but not everything, right? Right. Um. <laughs> I, I I just. It boggles the mind that you could think that you could create such a structure and not attract the worst kinds of psychopaths interested in being the king of it. Right.
1: This is yeah. You're, I hadn't even thought of that. You're quite right. Um, that uh, <laughs> the institution when you set up institutions, they appeal to various different sorts of people. Right. And so institutions that are uh, that, that are predicated on hierarchy and domination attract right people to them who want to engage in that behavior. Yeah. Um, this is like things. you know, like not all, certainly not, not even
0: close to all CEOs or psychopaths, right? But just about every damn psychopath wants to be a CEO of something, <laughs> right? <Like this> is, <laughs> right? And so you know, okay. So I thought often that institutions, like one of their main jobs, is to keep those people out of power. Like this is a serious point. Like one of the main jobs of an institution is to keep people out of it who just want to use it to dominate others, right? Sure. And if you set up a system of domination. Where the head of the you know these institutions are all about domination, guess who you're going to attract? Like with unusual vigor, right? To to these positions. So let's bring. So we. I have one more point. Okay. I have one more point. Maybe this is what you want to bring it back around to. But did you want to? Was yours more? No, I was just going to say
1: I think we got to we got to we got to begin to wind ourselves back to. um, We're only now starting the second hour. We just got into the second hour, Joe.
0: (laughs) I don't know. If this, what was your if this last is, point? If this is going to be a once every two month show. It's got to be a 6 hour 8 hour show. Oi oi. <laughs> um, I had this, you know, I have this thought and I, this is like this is truly naive thinking in a way. Like cuz I was just um I, I I was doing some thinking about like what um how people imbue um imbue the world with uh with greater meaning. So I'm, there's all kinds of writing about I'm not going to go into this uh, in in any detail, but there's just other than this little anecdote, right? That to the extent that um that we do have this process of assembling and then running models of reality on which we base ourselves. So the models are rule-like. They include like, you know, existent ontological things and, uh, and manipulations of them and causation between them and all, you know, maybe reality does not. Reality just is, right? But then our models are these things where we have rules like our, you know, if I drop something, it falls down. That's my model, everyday working model, even though, you know, but even though if I think about it more, I can refine it and have a more detailed model where everything attracts everything else proportional to its mass. And, you know, so uh, we, I, we could do that, right? Okay. But that's not my everyday model for how I walk around sure. on, on planet Earth. Right. Um, but um, to the extent we have these things and we have this grasping, meaning-making mind, right? You know, I'm wondering if one of the things that we do is we take the dominant model that we use to think about our place in society. And we try to find deeper meaning in it. Um, you know, why? The why question always proceeds from this kind of fundamental dominant model. And so, you know, in a world where I live out in nature with small family units, right, and so my world is one of uh, of trees and foxes and birds and rivers, it, it seems natural to kind of imbue those, the, the, the basic objects of that model with a kind of uh, religious significance or a kind of more universal significance. And so you know, a lot of like animist thinking, right, may come about because that's your dominant interaction with the world, right? Hmm. You're seeing these things. To the extent I live in a, um, in a really, um, in a a socially structured world, one with hierarchies, right, where there are institutions. And we talked about this in like an early episode of the show, how much of our world is abstract these days, right? When you think of going to the post office, I think in terms of like logical connections among roads rather than geographic reality, right? You know, turn right at the river, turn left, you know, see this tree that we don't, we don't think about that, right? We think about these totally abstract entities. Um, to the extent though, that that is the model, it makes sense that you would imbue hierarchies with a kind of like magical reality, right? That, that you have this um, sense that there was more meaning to them. And so as you tried to find like order in the universe, you might be more inclined to find a hierarchical kind of ordering, like a mirror image of the hierarchy and, you know, that is your dominant model
1: so I, the the things that i think what you're positing is and, sort and, of a, and if
0: you're a deconstructionist you might have a certain other kind of like imbuing right so i don't i'm not i'm just wondering like how we get so attached to um certain kinds of transcendence right and um and 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 assimilating that kind of transcendence with a good life and and, and then this is a really broad question a lot of people have written a lot about it i'm just kind of throwing it out there because it's the kind of thing i found myself playing with as i was reading this like what what really makes the impulse for some of these integral is so so different from mine. Like, how, you know, my 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 meaning making machine does not grasp on to hierarchies and want to, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but I'm sorry, I cut you off, though.
1: Well, I'm just trying to figure out if the, if what you're positing is that is that there's sort of a dynamic that the things that loom large uh, in your life, you 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 create the explanation that they loom large because because they should. Yeah. Like the is gets mapped into an ought. Yeah,
0: maybe. In a, after a fashion. I was thinking where they get illuminated, right? They get, they, they take on this kind of uh, mirror, the, the mirror image of them takes on a certain kind of luminosity, right? So the tree has a tree-like thing inside of it, right? Which is luminous, which um, is maybe more permanent. That yeah, that's, the, well, the that's a very specific. Has, yeah. I mean,
1: that's a super specific kind of perceptual metaphor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's interesting. I w- want to think more about it. But, it, but it, it, I thought the the other thing that's happening, or that that luminousness is a is a mechanism that that creates the importance is a reflection of an underlying reality of importance. That it's not. Yeah. It is not. Conti- these things loom large in my life, not at, out of some contingency that could be entirely otherwise. Rather, they loom large in my life because they are large in all life. Right.
0: Well, I, I was kind of coming out together. the other – yes, I think that's right. Because I, I was thinking that, you know, as we start to, to you know, to, to evaluate certain kinds of, of transcendent meanings, right, through the meaning-making machine that we employ, that some of them will feel right. Some of them will just like, you know, like – Harmonize like pluck strings with, mm. with the with what we know to be true from direct physical experience, right. um, and some will not, right? So, you know, someone who lives in in you know in, in an international world, you know, on Twitter with phones and roads and and modern transportation, probably you know animism is just not going to resonate, right? It doesn't feel um, you know a a, a, a a transcendent but real uh, vision of the universe that. You know, posits you know, spirits and trees and rocks and rivers is just not like those things are not salient, right? It's just not going to feel right, right? Whereas a a world where our kind of family structures and governmental structures have a mirror image seems more right, feels more right. Um,
1: that's I don't I don't know. That's kind maybe. of what. Um, I mean, or, or maybe there was a time, maybe there was a time when that was even more true than it is now. Yeah, and and it may be somewhat true now. Um, but maybe the very complexity of now is what,
0: you know, it, to the extent that pe- that we have people like these integralists who are worried about kind of creeping antagonistic secularism. Maybe they're not wrong that that people are becoming more secular. Maybe that worries them for different reasons than it might worry me. Um But, uh, but, but maybe they're not wrong. Like the very complexity of our society, like, well, what would, you know, you know, you can believe that I can believe this, Uh, (laughs) you know, there, there's so many different kinds of people in the world. There isn't just one kind of transcendent reality. So so two things. One,
1: um, the, I I think the, um, the model that I think the net network, the notion of a network and nodes and connections is Mm -hmm. becoming the, um, and, has already become and is continuing to grow as a powerful way to think about the world and life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a different thing. Um, and, and I think it's a more recent thing. Mm-hmm. It's
0: especially powerful if you're Joe Miller and you're studying Supreme Court cases. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: if you think about, it is a powerful metaphor, the you're advent exactly right. of yeah. um, the advent of, you know, rail and then electric grids and then telephone grids and then, these other form, advanced forms of telecommunications, the, the network, the, the idea, right? Yeah. A very concrete idea, but also then an abstraction, um, is the last century and a little bit more is, has really, this has really come to dominate a lot of ways of thinking about the world. And I think it was genuinely, is genuinely, um, genuinely new, uh, achieving a, di- a difference in degree that had became a difference in kind, right? Of course there are ancient shipping routes and of course there are ancient road networks in uh, the Roman empire and, right. and et cetera. Right. Um, and I would obviously be foolish to deny that, but the, in the, the density, the intensity, the ubiquity, uh, Again, a difference in degree can become a difference in kind, Yes, I think, and it has in the context of networks. So that you hadn't mentioned that as a way of looking at the world, and I, so I just wanted to. I think it's a way of describing models, right? That, yeah, you know, it's that, another that, one we have that I think is becoming quite significant. And, it's so,
0: and perhaps so powerful when, when, when roads and logical connections among things are so ubiquitous, like the natural world drops away from beneath it. It no longer is part of the model. Right. The, the, yeah, that the, may the be the active model in people's heads right the which active which can
1: be model. which can be um the 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 way in which um you know modernity and all of its uh, fruits uh, ca- can be alienating and can be um uh, isolating mm-hmm. um and uh, dehumanizing uh and that uh that's existing alongside of and maybe helps explain some of the urges uh, f- for Things like integralism, mm-hmm. um, because it's yeah, the the, the our, our lives are not without problems. <laughs> our lives are not without, uh, especially given that. It, and, and I'm here. I'm there. are These two episodes of the I think it, they were both Ezra Klein show podcasts, but uh, certainly one it's of them a good was. show. The other it's a great show. Uh, the certainly one of them is, and and the other one might be. So Adam Gopnik's book about liberal democracy and about mm-hmm. liberalism mm-hmm. I, this was this paper the back half of this paper it was making me think a lot about okay. that yeah. um and uh and so hearing him interviewed about that book and i do think it was on the ezra klein show although he did a bunch of interviews for it um and then the the most recent ezra klein show which was this conversation with the f- uh surgeon general the former surgeon general rebecca murthy about loneliness oh yeah I, that's in my that's in my queue but it i haven't is listened a really yet. amazing conversation mm-hmm. and it, there's this point where uh, Murthy talks about his metaphor is this: we need a third bowl. So the 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 bowl that is that is narrow but very very deep mm-hmm. in a, in more traditional cultural uh, settings that provide that kind of reassurance and connectedness and thickness. Right. But are really bad if you don't fit in the the the, right. the thing that's created for you there. Huh. Right. The other bowl being so big and so shallow. Right. That you feel you have all this freedom. Uh, and so you could pursue these different roles, but it comes with a kind of rootlessness and disconnectedness and enemy that is can be right um, bad. This thinning out of life, like yeah, uh, like what's his name at the beginning of Fight Club
0: with uh, all the IKEA furniture and the like. This, this idea that like you know what you know. I'm, I'm fitting into my culture, but what, you know, what I'm fitting into is an inch deep. Right. right? Yeah.
1: And so he says there's this third, so we need to make this third bowl, which try, is trying to get the best of both. And it's hard. Yeah. Um, I, and the integral is, it's funny because hearing that episode and thinking about like this integralist impulse without what doesn't, one doesn't want to psychologize or psychoanalyze people in a way that is belittling. Yeah, and I'm and, not, and, and extent, I'm not it, trying to do that. Let me just, this is a, Place for me
0: to interject. To the extent that I've done that, I apologize. That's not.
1: Yeah, that's, we're we're that's, just
0: trying to talk through this in a way, like so. So even if we've attributed, like if I attributed his stuff to uh, Vermule, I don't that he doesn't share. Like that's
1: it's not important. What's important
0: here is our conversation
1: about yes, this, right? So, yes, yeah. Um, and the, and there are these publications that make these arguments and present these ideas, and we we can read them. People are and reading give our them best and, understanding, yeah. and thoughts about it. And, um, yeah. um, it's a, exactly. Uh, but but again, to the degree that there is this reaching for something that feels more thick and connectedly human. I, I totally get that because there are these problems with, for all its accomplishments, um, uh, liberal democracy as a political ordering in a world of, of in, in the modern world, in the world of modernity. Um, it, it has downsides for Sure. But it at least
0: allows, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe we need more bowls, but it at least allows for the experience that Vermeule himself appears to have had a few years ago, right? Yes. This finding of your own of, of the bowl for you, right? Mm. Um, I've, I don't know if you've had, I've had a, a few instances in my life where I've had this fe- sudden feeling of very deep meaning, right? This flooding of meaning and, uh, where well, you might call them like religious experiences, right? They, they feel transcendent, right? And- Um, you know, early when you're a kid, I think you're always having these, (laughs) I think (laughs) think as a small child, like who was it? I think it was in that book. Um, who's the guy who, um, wrote the book about, um, plants and, and the recent book about hallucinogens. Um, he, it's a great book about hallucinogens. He talks about how, I think it was in that book. He talks about like kids act like they're always on LSD and there's a sense of there's a sense in which they kind of are like, you know, but anyway, um, uh, but, but when I was confirmed in the Lutheran church as a, this is before I became an agnostic, um, I, um, uh, you know, I was confirmed. I had this little speech that I wrote. You know, everyone wrote. A, it wasn't a long speech, but it was a short thing. And in the process of saying it, like was, you know, you've. I felt a chill. I felt, you know, my head consumed. I, you know, I felt small. And kind of the words I'd written as I was saying them had the effect of making me feel like very small and making the world seem very meaningful, right? And so it felt like a, a true religious experience, right? Hmm. Um, now, it didn't take for, for a number of reasons, but I've also had those experiences, you know, um, mountaineering um, hmm. and being, you know, which is another way of kind of crushing the ego, right? And, um, and seeing the world as a much larger, more, uh, more crazily indifferent place than you perceived it before, right? And, and so all of these models you have about your significance within what you've conceived of as reality are just destroyed, um, as you experience both the sublime and the dangerous and the um, so it's not you know I think this this idea of adventure and testing yourself was never what attracted me to wilderness and, and mountaineering right it was always just that instantaneous feeling of being so small right of, of the uh, near disappearance of the ego um and so i've had that a few times and then i think more recently in certain kinds of practice i've also had that experience again and it, and again it is about subsuming the ego to a uh, a kind of understanding of the world you hadn't had before or that um that, that if not unexpected it, you know is one that um i don't know it maybe maybe it is an uh, an extrapolation of your model in a way that that makes your ego super small i i'm not sure but so I've had these kinds of experience, and I can understand how they are so deeply moving that you immediately want to come out of them, you know, preaching to everybody, mm. right? I certainly try to take people backpacking all the time when right. I was in college and graduate school because if they could just have this experience, if you could just see this, you would never be the same again. Because
1: there is in your, in your, own, your own experience now includes the way that experience transformed you. Right and so the transformational nature of experience um the fact that you know you can think all sorts of things believe all sorts of things if you if you keep your eyes and ears open you will have experiences that challenge those things right. and that that you know you might not have believed it before but here you are <laughs> and there's something quite real yeah it, something quite pro- quite profound and powerful in the just the experience of this new thing, which you hadn't really known about or appreciated. Perhaps you knew, but you didn't appreciate it. Um, You know, there's a famous exchange in Hamlet where it's, you know, there's these, they're encountering ghosts, right? (laughs) Right. right. And Horatio is freaking out. And Hamlet's Horatio says to Horatio, look, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamed of in your philosophy. Mm -hmm. The the world is just teeming with stuff experiences. And so, Okay, maybe you hadn't seen a ghost before. We just did, like it's it's real, right? Uh, we now need to live the life that this trajectory has just put us on, right? Right. Um,
0: that's an interesting one, right? Because that's an encounter with the with the transcendent, and and so I'm talking about situations kind of like that where where you have an experience with the third person, like you know it's a it's a kind of third person experience which is in, maybe indifferent to you. That also ha- where you come out the other side, not with, not just with a different idea about what the world is, but a different idea about what you are. Mm. That, to me, that's the critical, it's the I that changes in response to the third person, right? It's f- right. <laughs> the third person's effect on the first person, if you like. And, and those are, you know, wh- where you recognize. Now, of course, anytime you learn something new, the I has changed, right? The, the, you know, you've changed a little bit. Your brain is different because of what you learned, but it's where you can see yourself changing, right? Where you have a perception that you are different. Because of it, those are the ones that, to me, are like like lightning bolts, and that's you know. I, but I have this kind of personality. This is what I recognize, in at least what you know what, what I think about when I read from Mule. So I don't want to say I recognize it in him because I don't know if it's in him. But right. in me, like when I experience a new, like when I read a novel that I think is amazing, or when I hear music I think is amazing, or a movie, or when I go backpacking, or like I I, I do kind of want to preach the word right because of the pr- profundity of the transformation that it has wrought in me and. Um, but I have to have enough self knowledge to know that that's not, you know, I, I don't want to be one of these old guys saying, get hooked on fishing, not on drugs, kids, right? <laughs> these guys who can't imagine that if only these teenagers right. would fish and feel as I do when I'm fishing, that they would never do drugs. Right, because how would you do drugs if you felt something so amazing? And of course, you take teenagers fishing. And they're like, "This is boring," and <laughs> they go home and they get high. Right, so it's right, like, I don't it,
1: know. and it's the uh, right, it's the mutuality of, of the causation. Right, it's not it, exactly. It, it isn't just the experience you had; it's that you were having that experience. Right. and so both things contribute to right. the 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 um create that moment. And you've probably had this
0: experience, haven't you, where you've encountered something earlier in life, and then. That was oh no, okay 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 and then later in life and, and and when you encounter it the next time later in life it's hugely meaningful.
1: Sure, uh, and it's because you you know I'm different and right that and therefore the m- me experiencing that thing is also different. Right, it, it hasn't really changed, but I have. Right, and so again, there's that mutuality. Um, we've gone a, we've gone a, on a very circuitous and interesting journey. In I our think conversation, so. It has just been a good which conversation? Has been fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's the point here, right? I mean, it's, we talk about a paper,
0: you know, and that's, that's fine. Um, and it, it's a great paper. I'll put it in the show notes. I think it's, this is a really interesting rabbit hole to fall down. Um, yes, but, um, <laughs> uh, with the proviso that, uh, if, um, like we said, if, if any of this stuff started to be taken seriously, we would um at least I would lay down my life <laughs> to prevent it. Which is not that's not
1: usually um right. how we approach like ideas. No. In, <laughs> on the show, no. it's like yeah that idea. In is that sense, this is quite atypical. Yeah, to, as a paper and as uh, and the and the consequent conversation, but yeah, it's it's weird. Like I've, I it,
0: rarely have I read a um, about, you know, we and we, I again, we read some of um, Vermeule's blog posts. I think both both of us did. I may have read some of the, a few of the other link things, but not everything. Like, I'm not, I, uh, uh, but, um so, so, so it's rare that you would read something where the stakes seem both high and so low at the same time. Mm. Although, you know, the recent years have made it more worrisome, right? They're so high because of, like, this would be just the absolute worst thing ever. They're low because this wasn't, you know, this is never going to happen. It's that latter judgment, which is like,
1: Hmm.
0: (laughs) Starting to catch in my throat a little bit.
1: Yeah, because we're living in times where we would say a lot of things were unlikely to happen. Right. And unlikely doesn't mean impossible.
0: Right. Yeah. A 16% chance of winning a presidential election means that, you know, there's a 16% chance. it's very different from zero. (laughs) Right. It's a Russian roulette.
1: Mm. Well... Mm, yeah isn't it though
0: is this where you expected the conversation to go i don't know what you i'm the one who suggested this piece and and you're probably saying why do you want to talk about that and i don't know do you feel like you know why i wanted to
1: talk about it sort of (laughs) (laughs) but whether i know or not we did talk about it are you pleased i'm yes this has
0: been quite enjoyable okay do you want to do another show should we do another episode sure why not okay so um should we make this a daily thing? <laughs> we, I don't have, I can't do this like more than maybe once a week, I think. First of all, I mean, this is our, this is a hobby. This is a true hobby. We get no you know, like professional right. rewards for this in any way. So it's, no, it, this, it's all opportunity costs. This actually. comes at the expense of, of, of watching the movies that are going backpacking in ways that may give me these religious experiences that I referred to. So, you know, it comes at at a cost, but I, but I, but I sure do love doing them with you though, Joe. Yeah, and this is great.
1: Yeah, it's super fun.
0: So, um, I've got an idea for a guest. I haven't contacted this person yet.
1: Could be anybody. I I do. Um, I, I would. In, all things equal. I do favor reading things that do not include experiencing wave after wave of deep <laughs> revulsion. <laughs> right. It's just I'm just putting that out there. Which don't threaten uh, things which don't like
0: raise the specter of eliminativist politics. Yes. Yeah. Or eliminationist. So I there's guess. that. Yeah. Um, well you know, I, I said let's read this one. Maybe maybe the next show will be something you want to read. Yeah, okay. So, you know, who knows? Oral argument podcast at gmail.com. That's where you send your complaints, your threats, your um, don't send any threats. Don't do that. Yeah, that's, don't that's, do it, that's actually illegal, isn't it? That's illegal. <laughs> yes, so don't, don't do that. Feedback. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> would be great <laughs> nice things is also welcome yeah although Songs. hardly necessary like you can
0: you can attach a song you, you could um, uh, sure. you, you could you a could painting. you could attach art of, of various kinds would be
1: great well, we're also on the Twitters right we are we are oral argument on Twitter so you at, can you can oral argument
0: uh, no you just type oral argument what it, yeah if you Twitter just type, if, if you just open if you tweet oral argument it comes to us no it doesn't it doesn't do that <laughs> I was just trying to say – I was going to search the next day to see how many people just tweeted oral argument. You know, this is uh, – <laughs> uh, who's, that, who's that British politician with the uh, name? Ed Balls, I think. They celebrate Ed Balls Day, I think, where he tweeted Ed Balls. Nice. Like, no one could really figure out why he tweeted it, but then every <laughs> anniversary. <laughs> okay. Well, this has clearly gone on long enough, so let's, uh, yes. uh, let's stop it unless you have anything to add, Joe. I've got, I'm looking at the agenda here. Hold on. Nope. Let me see. Nope. Nope. Let me see. Talk about that. Yeah, nope. Yeah. Um, there's no
1: agenda. Nope. There's, uh, oh, new
0: business. Um, Joe, do you have any new business? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, I <move> <laughs> okay, I move to adjourn. I second. Okay, that has to have a second. All in okay, favor. Aye. Aye. Aye.